Well, tonight, I wanted to introduce our uh, speakers tonight who are going to share their powerful story. Uh, I've known Dora and Roger now for a little bit over a year, and uh, they've uh, become quick friends of mine. And we just, my wife and I just love Dora and Roger. Um, Dora serves as our children's director here at the church, and uh, Roger helps her every step of the way. And one of the things I love about Dora is that she has taken faith, taken this gospel story, and taken it to every part of her life, taken it to her work, taken it to what she does here, taken it to her personal life. She does things outside of the church to share this message of Jesus, and the gospel has changed her whole life. I also love her husband, Roger. Um, In a year and a half of knowing Roger, I've never heard him complain. So I'm really trying to put him in a situation where he'll complain. <laughs> he just has his heart of gold, and I love this couple. And I've got to tell you that tonight, sharing your story of adversity is so difficult to do. Frankly, uh, so difficult that many of you have never done your story, and maybe may not because it's so challenging. And so I want to thank and invite Roger and Dora to come up and share their story of adversity with us tonight. Would you welcome them with me? <laughs> Just ask God if you want to hear me complain. He's heard enough. Well, I want to thank Nels and Transforming Life for even giving us this opportunity to share our story. And honestly, Dora and I, we never shared this story as a couple before. Um, She blogs and she shared on her blog and she's had me as a guest on her blog and I've shared my story on there. But um, we've never sat down and shared it with our, our friends and family. We quite, if you guys haven't realized, my family's here. <laughs> and I have some of my closest friends that are over there. And um, I don't think a lot of them know this story of ours. And I think life is just full of stories. And we hear one story, but we miss out on another. If you would ask me three or five years ago uh, what I thought of suffering, um, I, I, I would have told you uh, losing my dad wasn't suffering. Um, Infertility definitely wasn't a suffering, but um, suffering to me was people who were persecuted in prison for their faith in Jesus, that's suffering. But as I sit here today in front of you as my witness, I can tell you that the pathway to Jesus Christ is suffering, that even Jesus himself suffered when he was on this earth. And um, the story that we will share with you guys tonight is just a glimpse of our life together as a couple uh, and the gift of marriage and being in unity in this part of life when it, it, it seems like you don't see the light of day. And so with that said, I will let the champion of this suffering <laughs> do the speaking and uh, let her share her part of it. All right, so I just thought we would give you guys a bit of text and just um, start from the beginning. We were 15, well, I was 15, and Roger was 19 when we got married. And that's a whole nother story of its own. So if you guys want to know more, you can ask. But yeah, we were young and ignorant, and we didn't know um, that 
we would ever face something like this. Um, it wasn't it wasn't in the the foresight wanting to have kids at such a young age. I still had to finish high school. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it took a, a few years after that. My I saw changes in my body that I was struggling with and couldn't figure out and. It all led up to this moment where I was thinking, wow, like if I don't know what's going on with like with my body, how am I going to have a child someday? Um, after a few years, I was diagnosed with PCOS. And if you guys don't know, it's called polycystic ovarian syndrome. And uh, back when I was diagnosed, there wasn't a lot of resources on it. And I just remember the day I went to see an infertility specialist after years of seeing um, my own family doctor. I had almost given up and I didn't want to pursue it, but I just felt like I was broken and I just felt like I just needed someone to tell me um, and kind of, I don't know, like give me the label that I needed to hear that there was something wrong with me. Because every doctor I saw just, would say, I don't know why you're um, not able to have kids. I walked away from my infertility specialist um, clinic that day um, feeling happy in a sense where, okay, there is something wrong with me and it's not just in my mind or I'm not making things up. And um, But at the same time, there is this um, feeling of, brokenness and just thinking, wow, like this idea um, of me becoming a mom someday um, could possibly just be thrown out the window all in the same day. And I remember just that feeling, um, the dream of being a mom and just, I just could not fathom how my future would look like. And that led me down um, this road, um, and thankfully it didn't last too long. But I was broken, and I felt like I lost my identity, um, and I definitely questioned and doubted God. And in the midst of it all, I was definitely angry, and I remember praying and asking God, like, God, like, I took care of all my brothers and sisters growing up, and I love kids, and you know, like, how could you create me with, you know, like, um, or, or allow this to happen to me? And I just fell apart. And I remember, um, and I know it, it was definitely by the grace of God, I stumbled upon a couple of women of faith who had gone through the same um, struggle. And it was as if God put a barrier there for me to see that other women are going through the same things and that I no longer had to try and do everything that I possibly could. Um, I had so many friends along the same, uh, along the same, going, going through the same season actually with me around the same time and none of them knew Jesus and I did, but I was still angry at God and I remember, wow, I'm thankful that I know Jesus because I still have this like ounce of hope in me and I see these couples around me that don't know Jesus and their marriage is, you know, hanging by a thread. Um, but yeah, I remember when I fell in that pit, I just felt like 
no one could understand um, just how inadequate I felt as a woman. And I just questioned, like, am I even a woman for not being able to have a child or um, not be able to raise up my own kids? And I think that one of the biggest things that we felt was that we were incomplete and that we weren't a family until we had kids. And I'm just so grateful that God allowed that to be a short-lived struggle, and he showed up at a great time uh, through social media and blogs that have been filled with raw and heart-wrenching stories that spoke to me, and I just never heard anyone else share those stories. And that's where God started to work in me over the years of just learning how to embrace my own story. come from pretty big families. I have s six siblings, five sisters and a brother. Dora has three brothers and four sisters. So we come from pretty big families like Paul's, you know. And so um, it, was, it was not normal for us not to have kids. And I think in any marriage, it's not normal if you're not having kids. Um, and so it was hard because I remember one time going to a family um, gathering, and one of my non-Christians, uh, non-Christian relatives came to me. And first thing they always ask people who don't have kids is, why don't you have kids? Well, I'll go to the store and get one if you want me to. You know, but um, I remember him coming to me, and he said, why don't you have kids? I don't know. Your dad has a lot of kids. You should have a lot of kids. If your wife is not giving you kids, you need, you need to marry another woman. And I remember at that time, I just told him, if, if that's how I'm going to treat my wife, why marry her in the first place? Why marry at all? Because I can't guarantee that somebody's going to give me a kid anyways. And, and then it really dawned on me that I needed to check myself and say, why is it her fault? Is it my fault? And I remember going down this road, struggling with God, wrestling with him, saying, God, are you punishing me for the things that I've done in the past with my addictions? Are you using that against me and withholding me from children? And, and not opening my wife's womb for her to conceive and start our family. And I remember um, that took me deeper into my addictions in rebellion toward God, saying, you know what? I don't care. If, if this is the God you are, I don't care. And... Um, it was hard to find the support that we needed, you know. And people were always trying to find herbs. Asian were really good with herbs. So everything is take that herb, take this herb. If that herb doesn't work, there's another herb. I heard that lady over there took that herb and that herb worked. You know, so then you, it becomes this thing where 
I'm an herb worshiper, you know. I'm going to find all the herbs in the world that can help me and my wife conceive a child. And so it's like we take God out of the picture and we say, you know what, let's take this into our control. We turn into the Rachels. You know, we turn into the Rebecca's. Oh, Rachel didn't, Rachel didn't try to take stuff on, but Rebecca definitely did, you know. And so we turn into those and say, try that. So, let's go. Um, so, yeah, at that time, I just felt like there was only a couple of, of ladies that I followed on the, online that really just, like, spoke out, like, directly into my heart and just encouraged me and... To be honest, we struggled for a long time in this um, journey of suffering to, together, but separately as well. We honestly didn't know how to be united in the midst of it. I felt like I couldn't provide him with the child, and I felt like maybe he blamed me for not being able to have kids. And it was all misunderstanding, and he maybe blamed himself too as well. Um, but we just went on our own journeys because we just didn't know how to continue um, talking about how God could possibly bring something good out of this. And so we had our own personal struggles and wrestled with God independently. And he was faithful and showed up um, every step of the way. And he still does. Um, one thing before we came tonight uh, or before we put together our story that Roger had reminded me is that we are still in the midst of it. And at some point, I don't know why I forgot that. I remember there was a season where our pastor, um, the church that we were at at the time, um, he came into our church and he just um, was very passionate about fasting. And so we decided that we were going to fast. Um, Roger had his own reason and I had mine. Obviously, mine was for healing And it was a 30-day fast, I think, and I just remember, I'm going to go into this, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask God to heal me, I'm going to declare healing over my body. And so every day, I would just read the Bible, I'd listen to messages, and just pray and ask God to heal me, um, and that he would just fill me with his Holy Spirit and heal my womb. And day by day, God just, like, started revealing, like, his truth. And he gave me this revelation of, like, just how you can picture yourself in a desert, which there was a picture of there earlier. And I was just like, how did they know to put a desert? Because that's the image that I had. I felt like I had been walking in a desert that was dry, cracked, barren, desolate, and I was alone but in the midst of the fast, I just felt like God appeared and he was just reminding me that he brought me there for a reason and he wanted to pursue me. And no, he didn't inflict um, infertility on me, but he wanted to bring something beautiful out of it. And so as the fast continued um, till the very end, I realized that God may not have healed me physically, but he healed me um, and filled my heart with something completely different, and that's hope. And he gave me this understanding that he 
really does work everything for our good if we trust in him. And the biggest thing that he asked me, I feel like, was, you know, in the season that you're in, are you still willing to trust me and to worship me? And I remember it had to be, like, a breaking moment for me because it was, I felt like I had to choose between the idea of motherhood or was I going to desire Jesus more and at that point, I was like, you know what, God, if I have to surrender be, becoming a mom, I'm going to do that. Because I don't want to have kids and still feel incomplete and not have Jesus in my life. And that was really hard. But I was like, you know, I, I trust that you have something beautiful um, in the horizon. And I may not see it. But I believe that um, in some way, shape, or form, you will bring us a family and so that was like by six years ago and I feel like from that moment forward I no longer worried about what I was going to do physically to 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 conceive I was no longer going to seek out all the help and I just felt this like sure confidence inside of me that I couldn't explain to anyone you know I have we have family and friends who care about us who are always reaching out and trying to help us um, with medication, with herbal, you know, medicine and stuff like that. But I just, like, felt like God, walking out of that fast, I never felt so confident of what God had planned for us. And so even if no one understood that, we just continued serving him and continued worshiping him and um, learning to just love on um, the kids around us. And quite honestly, that is where my passion for children came out of, was out of season of barrenness. And some of you guys have heard that. Um, and it's become pretty much, you know, my life story and um, Roger's as well. I don't think that I would love kids the way I do right now if we didn't, if we didn't suffer and we didn't desire children so much. And that has led me to love to learn to love and have a mother-like heart with every child that comes through my life, even if I have no children that, that, it's, that, that that's coming through my body. And I remember when God placed that on my heart, I was like, hey, God, I don't have kids, but I'm going to love every child that comes into my care as best as I can. Um, and I'm going to take ownership of being a mother in their life, even if I'm not, no one's going to call me mom. And so that began this whole beautiful journey of just um, God breaking my heart for children, um, for foster kids, for orphans. And, yeah, like, going through this journey, I realized, wow, God may um, have allowed us to come through this um, season of suffering for a reason and it's like when I see women or young couples who um, have been married for a few years, like I know how sensitive the topic is. And I, it's like you have this, um, you just know, like you don't just go up to someone and ask, hey, why don't you guys want to have kids? You know, it's like you know partially it's probably because they probably have struggles that no one knows about and they're not ready to talk about it yet. 
And so you become so much more sensitive to the pain that people carry around. And I feel like that was like a whole new lens that God had um, given me is to walk around and see, wow, like so many people suffer and it may look differently, but we all need each other. And so I just pursue encouraging them. And in the midst of that, it's like God was pursuing me, uh, encouraging me as well. Dr. Gary Chapman said something along these lines, because um, him and I call each other every once in a while, you know. Um, no, but he said, um, God's call to us is to trust him in the darkness as we trust him in the light. And I think it's wonderful, is that we think that suffering, we have to do it alone, that we're by ourselves, that we're under this deep pit that no one can see but I'm telling you Jesus is already down in that pit waiting for you and he wants to meet you and he wants you to share your story with people because that's the only way people get to experience Jesus in this world in this dark and broken world people always ask Roger if you can show me God I'll believe him God is in my life. Jesus is a part of my life. And he does life with me. And the people, people are supposed to see that. But they can't see it if we're holding our story of what Jesus is doing in our lives away from them. Stealing that part away from them. I remember Nels asking me a few months ago. I feel like we've known each other much longer, 60 years, whatever last time you were saying. Um, I feel like we've known each other so long, but it's only been a couple, like a year. And I remember Nels asking me, who's your closest friends? And I remember I couldn't answer him. Sorry, Romay. <laughs> uh, I was like, I don't know. And he told me, you know, you're robbing somebody of the gift that Jesus has given you. And it, it struck me so hard because I'm like, man, I'm always looking for that person in my life. But I'm being that same exact way with other men in my life. You know, so our story of suffering is so important to other people for encouragement, for ourselves to be healed. It needs to be talked about. So whatever suffering you're going through, don't think that you're alone. Don't think that you're the only one suffering in this world because we all suffer just in our own ways. But the only way that we get out of that suffering or realize that we ha we're not alone is when we give that to Jesus. So my, my journey um, in this suffering, I... God does so much through, through our spouses. And I, I don't think I'll, I'll be where I'm at now without seeing what God is doing in, in Dora. And, and seeing the, mother, the mother's love that she has for children, it, make, it pushes me to love my nieces and my nephews in a different way, more than just how an uncle loves their nieces and nephews, you know. 
and, and it, it pushes me to impact their lives in a different way. And without going through this suffering, I wouldn't know that. I wouldn't know that kids are that important. I wouldn't think kids were that important, that they need influencing. They need love and encouragement just as much as adults do. And so um, <clears throat> we, live, we are now understanding that we need to live and live joyfully and fully knowing that God has, had, has got his hands around us, around this marriage. And, and children are going to come in his time, not in ours. I remember going to an adoption agency. They had like an open house thing, and Dora and I were there. And I remember coming out of their door, asked me, so where would you like to adopt a kid? Because we, we learned with kids in China and Russia and the U.S., a couple of other countries. And I was like, it has to be from China because we're Asian. It's going to be brought into an Asian community. It needs to be Asian so they can accept it more. And it needs to be, you know, three years or less. And it needs to be a perfect kid. It can't have def defect, defects, disorders. Missing limbs, because I can't, I don't have time to take care of that child. And I remember telling me, kind of just putting me in my place, saying, so you want the perfect kid. I was like, yeah, I guess. And I remember sitting on that and meditating on that and taking it to God. <laughs> God was, I felt like God was saying to me, what if I do bless you with your own flesh and blood? And that kid wasn't perfect. What if that kid had missing limbs, had mental challenges? Can you love on that? And I remember that struck me pretty hard. And that's when God changed my, my heart about kids, saying, love on them as your own. Love on them like how I would love them. And, and impact their lives in ways where when they go out into the world, they can share that love. I know one of the biggest things that I've learned in the midst of suffering um, is that we can live joyfully like Roger said, and I remember being at a women's conference and one of the ladies, I never saw it so, heard it so clear that our, our joy is our strength and we can get through anything and overcome anything if we just hold on to our joy. And I was actually reading through some of my old journals this morning before um, coming to church and I remember writing down, if, the en if you hear the enemy's lies, then laugh in his face and he'll run away. And I just remember thinking, wow, when did I write that? And how come, you know, like I didn't, it didn't click earlier on. But I, friends and family, we, I want you guys to know that 
just because you guys see us with our smiling faces and we're always filled with light and energy doesn't mean we're not suffering. And we believe the same to be true for all of you guys. Um, what we've just learned is that in the midst of sorrow, we can carry joy as well. We can still live a fulfilling life. Um, he doesn't want us to f go through something and feel alone and isolate ourselves and feel like there's nothing, less, nothing left to live for. Because God has a purpose for every single one of you guys, no matter what struggle you may be facing or whatever suffering you may be enduring. In our weakness, he is made strong. And know that he is near to the brokenhearted. That's what we've experienced. And Apostle Paul says in Romans 8.18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And I just love that that is something that has been um, birthing out of our story of suffering. And I know it's the same for all of you guys too. Well, I, I once believed that I was infertile and I would always go around and share that's a, that's a struggle of mine. And I recently heard um, another woman, she's also a Bible study teacher named Jane Johnson say that it wasn't infertility that she was going through, but it was just delayed fertility. And that shifted my mindset and it gave me even more encouragement in realizing that's so true. I have a sure confidence that God is going to bless us with a family and it's all in his time. So I need not worry about infertility and the struggles around it, but to trust and continue encouraging other women, encouraging other couples and people around us um, and loving on them. Um, and that in itself has helped carried us through. What once felt like a dry and barren land is no more. He is planting new life and unimaginable joy in the midst of it. When you find yourself in a desert of waiting and suffering, and you're scared of the uncertainty of what lies ahead, friends, I want to encourage you guys to worship. With tears strolling down and a heart that's wrenching, he will show up and reveal to you that he was pursuing you all along. He is the wellspring of life and will give you strength and quench your thirst. His eyes are set on you and you alone. Believe it because it's true. He didn't allow you to go through the desert to wander alone. He's guiding you and carrying you through the barrenness. Isaiah 41, 18 says, I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. I want to end with this and encourage you guys. That the Lord wants to take every dry and desolate and barren place in your life and cover them with living water. He desires to make something out of nothing, our maker, our creator. He wants to show you what he's been revealing to me, to us.
that there's beauty in the barrenness. Thank you guys for sharing that uh, pretty vulnerable and powerful story. Um, that last thing that she said, Beauty of Barrenness, that's actually her blog title. It's so powerful. You can find her on social media. And I just love that story and what they shared tonight. <clears throat> Here's this truth that I've learned that I want you to just think about. Not to answer out loud, but... Do you agree or disagree? Suffering is the path for transformation and growth. Actually, Ryder said that today. I didn't know he was going to say that. The suffering is the path for transformation and growth. And if, it, if you had asked me years ago, I would have said, no, this is very foreign to me, this concept. I, I just need to know more. If I know more, if God tells me more, I'll be good. I'll do what God tells me to do or what scripture teaches or what people tell me is right. I'll do that. That's all I need. I don't need any outside things happening. That's all I need. And many years later, I have <laughs> come to realize that's not true. And this is 100% true. And I found this to be true as I followed Jesus these many years. And suffering is the path for transformation and growth. I'm going to read a passage of scripture and leave you with a couple thoughts tonight before we close in a song. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, perishes even though refined by fire, may result in a praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I found, as I began to understand Scripture in a deeper way and as I walked with him and faced suffering, that you know, suffering is the path for transformation and growth, not because God is angry at me or punishing me or because God is a villain, that he's coming after us for things, but rather that it's because of me, that I don't have the power or the ability just to do all the time the right thing, that just because scripture says it or it's the right thing to do that I just suddenly do it. It's because of me, because of my nature that I need suffering to grow and transform me that which I cannot do on myself. And so God uses the circumstance, the suffering, the trials that we go to because of me, because of you, that you just magically can't do or become the right thing. It's the work of Jesus in your life. Secondly, I found that it's because through suffering, we find out what's on the inside of us. It's in that trial and being refined by fire that what's on the inside can be known and seen. I learned that I can't surrender, I can't surrender to God what I don't even know about. 
that I can't surrender to him and offer to him to grow and to change. That with what's on the inside that I don't know, unless it comes out, I can't surrender it to him to heal and to grow and to make good and make new. It's in that suffering, in that adversity in which I can see what's on the inside and it comes out. When you're squeezed, what's on the inside comes out. And in these moments of adversity, and you hear this amazing story, and you hear what they talk about. What was on the inside came out. It pained me even to hear her say that maybe she loved being a mother more than Jesus. Never known some of these things. And on the inside, in the suffering, this stuff comes out. It's also because our faith needs to be refined. It's in the moments of adversity, like you've just heard their story, in which they discover what they really believe. I would guess that in these moments that they would question their faith, which is a great thing to do. It's a great thing to do. Because when you question your beliefs, you're questioning some of your maybe assumptions you picked up along the way from somebody else. Maybe you're questioning some assumptions that somebody else taught you that God didn't ever want you to really live your life with. It's a good thing to question what you believe. Okay? And in the suffering, that comes to a head. Wait a second, is God good? I've believed that for a long time, but is he good? Furthermore, it's because through adversity and suffering, folks, that's, that's how we're made stronger. You don't have to be a follower of Christ to know this. This is clear principle in the counseling psychology world. Um, if you're a sports fan, you watch some of these interviews from some of these celebrities and, and sports guys, they'll talk about adversity and how it made him better. Coming back from that, energy, uh, uh, that uh, injury taught him this, or they pushed forward, they got better. I hurt my right arm, so I started shooting my left, and I became amazing at that. I grew faster and stronger. Listen, this is our nature, that we and you will grow stronger through adversity and suffering. And so in the midst of all this evil and suffering and pain, and I'm tearing up during the story we heard tonight, God isn't done. And God's still at work. And yes, you can experience the joy of Christ and the suffering of this world at the same time. They are not mutually exclusive. I would actually submit to you that that'll bring joy into you that you never experienced before. There's a powerful quote from uh, Tim Keller. He says this in his book, Walking with God Through Suffering. Great book. While other worldviews lead us to sit in the midst of life's joys, foreseeing the coming sorrows, Christianity empowers its people to sit in the midst of this world's sorrows, tasting the coming joy. God's not afraid of the evil, the hard, the negative things in your life. You shouldn't be either. This will bring God close to you in your life. And here's my last thing I want to leave you with tonight is that suffering was Jesus' path. Suffering was Jesus' path. And through the suffering and the brokenness and the pain, what was hideous, what people didn't want to see, out of that comes this resurrection. And I love what Doris says. There's beauty and barrenness. This love for children comes from all this. Uh, their love as a couple, they've gotten stronger and and who they are, what they learned about marriage and Jesus, it's stronger. And there is some beauty that want, God wants to bring about from your pain.